Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. I'm Evan, the senior pastor here, and welcome. We're so glad that we can be together worship together and look at the Gospel of Luke together. Hi to everybody watching online as well. Thank you for engaging with us this morning. Dr. Myers, thank you for that introduction into uh, the book of Luke. I will do my best to do justice to such a wonderful introduction of the breadth and the beauty of Luke. This is Luke 4, 16 through 21. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and there found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, to recovery of the sight of the blind, to free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. When I was... uh, Going into high school, my freshman year, we moved, and we moved to a new school, a new location, and we moved over the summer, so I didn't know anybody, I didn't have any friends, and my mom signed me up to go on a youth group retreat situation. I didn't know anybody, it was overnight. And when you go into a new situation like this, you you want to connect, you want to make a good first impression, you want to make friends, and you're terrified that you might get something wrong, right? And as we gathered, they were sharing inside jokes and connecting with each other, and I was kind of standing on the outside thinking, I wish I could be in there. I wish I could be a part of this. How do I get to be a part of this? Well, early on the second day, Uh, The guys were all staying in one area, and they decided to have a wrestling competition. This is a thing that happens with teenage boys for some reason. They decided to have a wrestling competition, and they were wrestling, and I was kind of standing against the wall, and there was another guy there who was also his first time. He had also just moved there over the summer. His name name is Chad, and, and Chad and I are about the same height, similar build. He's a couple years older than me, and we're both kind of standing there against the wall. And, and kind of the ringleader of the wrestling group said, hey, you two are like the same size. Why don't you wrestle? And you're thinking, ah, okay, here we go. This is the chance for the first impression. And so the two of us kind of look at each other, and what else are we going to do? And so we go to wrestle. Chad did not share that before he moved there, he had moved from Iowa, where he was the state champion in wrestling. I'm not kidding. He had won state. I had not. I had never wrestled at all. And so luckily, Chad was merciful. In about 12 seconds, he had me in some kind of headlock, and I slapped his arm, and he let me go. And we were in. We were part of the group. Suddenly, the jokes and stuff we could participate in, for some reason, we became part 
of the community. I wish it was that easy now, although I don't want to be in that headlock again. But it can be hard to connect, to feel purpose, to feel like we belong. Perhaps you've felt that way. You've wondered, where do I fit? Where do I go? Where do I belong? Perhaps even in your faith, you think, I don't know if I fit this church thing. Could God want me? This series for Portraits, One King, is designed to help us take an overview of each gospel and see the different perspectives, the textures, the different writers bring as they describe the life, the work, the teachings of Jesus. So far, we've learned about the action-filled Gospel of Mark that shows us this suffering king who conquered. The Gospel of Matthew, written to a more Jewish audience, shows us this Jesus who fulfills the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and also fulfills our lives. It's this sort of twisty tale that reveals where we're going and helps us see backwards as we look forward. And today, we're looking at the Gospel of Luke. Luke, in early Christian art, was symbolized by an ox or a bull, so that's what's going on in that picture there. And if we were to compare Luke to a movie genre, like we've been doing the other Gospels, Luke is probably most like a, like a biopic. You know, those movies that are about somebody's life and work. Think about Johnny Cash in Walk the Line, or Ali, the story of Muhammad Ali. Luke is trying to tell this story of a life, and Luke is writing to a mostly non-Jewish Christian audience to tell them this story of Jesus in a way that will connect with them and their circumstances. See, they likely thought, are we outsiders? We're the new kids. How do we fit? And so Luke, with his organizational skills, his attention to detail, interviews a variety of eyewitnesses, works with the already existing written material and gives us this narrative. See, as the eyewitnesses to Jesus and the early church are dying, Luke, like the other Gospel writers, is inspired to get these accounts written down to share these portraits of the King. So a little history. Luke's traditionally thought to have been written by a physician and companion to Paul. He traveled with Paul on some missionary journeys and during some of uh, Paul's imprisonments. Luke is just part one of Luke's work. Luke wrote also the book of Acts. So Luke wrote Luke and Acts. They're designed to go together. And so that means Luke wrote 25% of our New Testament. We see in the book of Acts that as Luke is describing some of the things happening in that book, suddenly the way they're described shifts from saying they did this and they did this and they did this to, to suddenly we did this. So that's perhaps our best clue into understanding who this writer was. At some point, it seems like Luke was part of what was happening. The lens moves back, and Luke joins in on the action. Luke is intentionally writing to people with all kinds of different backgrounds and cultures and influences and histories and divisions and prejudices and hierarchies. 
people who are coming from different cultures and thoughts about other people, people who also struggled with the us versus them thing. Ideas about each other often shaped by fear, shaped by prejudice. And and Luke wants them to know that Jesus is king for everybody. Jesus is the king of all people, all creation. In fact, while Matthew begins with this genealogy of Jesus that will connect to the heroes of the Hebrew Bible like David and Abraham, these symbols of the nation of Israel, Luke's genealogy ends in a different place. This is Luke 3.38. And he was son of Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. Luke wants us to see that Jesus is a king not just for one group of people, not just for one set of people who have the right background or right experiences or made the right choices or showed up at the right time or came enough Sundays. No, Jesus is the king of all creation. And his rule is starting now. That's why I read this passage from Luke 4. It's kind of the thesis statement for what Jesus will do in his ministry. Luke brings it right there at the beginning in Luke 4 to show us who Jesus is. Jesus shows up in the synagogue, the place of worship and also sort of a community center, a place of activity. It was normal for people to stand up and read from scriptures and speak about them. And Jesus does that. And so as we read in the text, he quotes Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In this passage, the prophet Isaiah was speaking about an anointed one who would be king. King for God's reign that would set people free, that would release people, that would cancel debt. Jesus is speaking specifically about the poor. Bring good news to the poor. And the word that we translate here as poor, yes, includes those who are without means, but it's even broader than that. It's those who are not in the correct social status. Not at the hierarchy top of the social order. Jesus has good news for the outsider, the new kid. In this context, the people from different places, women, people with disabilities who were looked down upon at this time, it even includes the sense of people who themselves have become outsiders because of choices or circumstances that they were pushed into people who have now become unwelcome. Jesus declares good news. This year of favor has come, this year of jubilee, this idea that everything and everyone would get a fresh reset. Debts canceled. People free. Forgiveness everywhere. Jesus says, I'm doing this now. It's so incredible we get this little sermon here. Jesus reads the passage, and then he sits down. They're all looking at him saying, okay, what's next? And then he gives this one-sentence sermon. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
Some of you might wish I would preach in just one sentence. That's it. All of this hope, all that you've hoped for, all that will come when one day the divisions will be gone, when one day all people will be welcome, when one day all of these things would be forgiven, when the kingdom would break in and God would reign, one day it might come. And Jesus says, today. And it's happening through me. I'm Him. Jesus is the King of all people. But you could be the king of all people and not necessarily be a good king, right? <laughs> Having power doesn't mean you're good. Luke also in this Gospel wants to show us what kind of king Jesus is. There's this classic journalism adage that says don't focus on what they say, focus on what they do. That will tell you really what they're all about. We could apply it to lots of things. Apply it to the church. Don't focus on what they say. Focus on what they do. Luke will show us who Jesus is by what Jesus does. The King that liberates and elevates those who've been pushed down and fallen out. A King of compassion and mercy and love. A King who announces favor and jubilee. It's happening today. This is a King of all people and a King for all people. Jesus says He's fulfilled it. And to get down in the weeds a little bit, that word comes in the perfect tense, which means it is accomplished but continues on with action. It is an act that continues to reverberate through time. Jesus continues to fulfill, is fulfilling now. He reigns. He's at work among us, a king of all people, for all people. As one theologian says, this isn't just a case of thoughts and prayers or well wishes that come off Jesus' lips and fills the synagogue with hollow words. They are filled with God's promising presence and work begun. It is happening now. Jesus is saying to the new kid, the cast aside, the overwhelmed, tired, the frustrated, the person wondering when, today. Today it is fulfilled. Today. Father Greg Boyle is a Jesuit priest who runs a ministry in L.A. called Homeboy Ministries. Uh, it's rooted in this community that has historically been full of gang violence and gun violence and drug use. Father Greg, or as he's sometimes called G, uh, has developed this kind of job training school businesses for former gang members. And he writes this book, this memoir called Tattoos on the Heart, which I highly recommend. And he, he recounts this story of a young man named Caesar. He knew Caesar when Caesar was a little child. But at some point, Caesar goes to prison and he's away for some time. But when he's released, he calls Father Greg. Greg goes to meet him because Caesar has some needs. He doesn't have any clothes. He doesn't know what he's going to do with his life. So Greg pulls up. Caesar sees him and he starts jumping for joy. And it's quite the sight, right? Because Caesar has been using his time in prison to work out, and he is this huge, strong guy, and he is jumping like a child to see Father Greg. They go together, they pick up clothes at J.C. Penney, and then at 3 a.m. that night, Caesar calls Father Greg. And he gets phone calls often in the middle of the night like this. He says they always start with, Did I wake you up? Are you awake? <laughs> 
No, I just wait by the phone at three in the morning. And Caesar says, I, I got to ask you a question. You know how I've always seen you as my father ever since I was a little kid? Well, I have to ask you a question. Now Caesar pauses, and the gravity of it all makes his voice waver and crumble, and he says, have I been your son? Greg says, oh, yeah. I might have cleaned that up a little bit, but he says, oh, yeah. Whew, Caesar exhales, I thought so. And Father Greg writes, now his voice becomes enmeshed in a cadence, with a gentle sob, bing. Then, 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 then I will be my son, and you will be my father, and, and, and nothing will separate us, right? That's right. See, in the early morning call, Caesar did not discover that he has a father. He discovered that he was a son worth having. And a voice broke through the clouds of his terror and this crippling mess of his own history, and he felt himself beloved by God, wonderfully pleased in him. That is where God wanted Caesar to reside. This is the message of Luke. All of us, each of us are a son, a daughter worth having. This is what Luke wants his audience to understand. You are welcome to the banquet. Pull up a chair like the father who runs to meet that son. You are welcome. Caesar was a son worth having. In fact, it was true about this young man since the day he was born. He just had to discover it. And Luke wants to help us discover it too. That the new kingdom that is happening now, today, is where all are welcome and allowed to be part of it. It is happening. Jesus is the king of all and for all. And he wants to show us this. And I think the place he shows it most clearly is in Luke 23. This is Luke's account of the crucifixion. Now, all of the Gospels spend lots of time on the events that we'll look at today. The cross is always this essential thing that reveals to us who Jesus is, what Jesus does. See, the resurrection that we celebrate at Easter is beautiful, is powerful, is incredible. It's what shows us about new life and life everlasting, defeating death, and that is done by God's power, and it is good. But it's not all that surprising that an all-powerful God could defeat death. I mean, all-powerful, right? The real scandal, the real surprise of the whole story of Christianity is that we believe this king of all power, who sets the world right, was killed by the state. <laughs> that the king allowed himself to be crucified in the most shameful way. It shows us who Jesus is. Professor Neil Plantinga says, to be glorified on a cross is as nonsensical as claiming to be enthroned on an electric chair, but that's what we discover, that Jesus would go there for us, show us who he is, and Luke's account is so beautiful. I want to look at Luke 23, verse 33. When they came to the place that is this called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right hand, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. 
What a picture of who Jesus is. That in this moment of being killed, He speaks about forgiveness with grace and compassion even to those with whips and nails and jeers. May this be the center of your theology when Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing there on the cross. And look at verse 35. The people stood by watching. The leaders scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he's the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was an inscription over him that said, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. To do not fear God, since you're under the same sentence of condemnation, we are in, we indeed have been condemned justly, for we're getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when, remember me whenever it is that you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, Today you will be with me in paradise. One of the criminals refuses to mock and instead recognizes Jesus as king, a king even for him. He believes enough to say, Jesus, whenever you come into your kingdom, somehow he knows this will happen. He says, just remember me. A simple ask, just remember Just know that I'm there maybe against the wall. <laughs> Just recognize my existence a little bit. Whenever that is. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me. Luke wants us to know that when we are asking, when God will you show up? How, God, do I fit in? God, is this worth it? How do I keep going? When will justice come? Why is the world all like this? Jesus responds, today, I am with you. Today, I am doing something new, even right now. Join in. The first words Jesus says in Luke after reading the scripture is today. The last sentence Jesus speaks, today. Father Greg was interviewed by 60 Minutes a long time ago, as you can tell from the quality of the clip that I'm about to show you. And in it, they're kind of showing the ministry and they interview one of uh, the students there at the school that he started and I want you to just take a look. So you were thrown out of school and who got you to go back to school? Huh? Father Greg. I was getting kicked out of schools and nobody wanted me, you know, so there's the only place I could come. And do you like being here in school? Yeah. Because? Um, I'm learning something. Why do you think he cares about you, George? Huh? Because he loves everybody, I know. I know, but why? God, I guess. I <laughs> Is that it, Greg? God? Does God have anything to do with it? I, I would imagine that God has a lot to do with this. Yeah. 
Why give you a second chance? Why welcome you? Why care about you? Why love you? God, I guess. Why would Jesus care about the criminal on the cross? Why would Jesus care about those who've been cast aside? Why would Jesus care about me and you? That's our God, I guess. Thanks be to God. And so as you have those questions of why do I keep going? Why do I keep serving? Why show up? Why join in? Why feed people? Why go there? Why bring the casserole? Why? I keep getting hurt. Why did I keep having relationships? Why? God, I guess. Welcome to new life. For Jesus is King of all people, and for all people, will you follow Him today? Let's pray. God, thank You for the Gospel of Luke. For the message to the outsider and the cast aside. For the disillusioned and the frustrated, for the overlooked and overworked. For those who nobody else would give a chance to. May today we see your work. Not just someday work, but today your work. Today may we know that we are loved and hope has come and you are at work in this world and you invite us to be a part of it. God, today, may you help this church be a today kind of church. And may it cause people in our community, in our world, to ask that question, why? And may we answer, God, I guess. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.